Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Psalm 112 will get us started here today. Psalm 112. Pray that uh, you'll ask, ask that you might be praying for your preacher today. He's at Quackenbush Hill Baptist Church. What a name for a church, huh? Uh, it's a church, actually, he was uh, visited many a time while he was in evangelism, and uh, God used him in a great way. They're having a special day there, and the preacher asked if he'd come. And, of course, they're on vacations uh, tomorrow. I'll be heading over to Pennsylvania for that, but uh, I might uh, ask uh, God's blessing upon his ministry there in Quackenbush Hill Baptist Church today. Uh, but uh, truly grateful for the opportunity that we have this morning to be here. Appreciate you being here. Wow, what, what, what storms came through yesterday? I was out mowing the lawn and uh, got about uh, half of it done, and my wife comes out, and of course, you know, she has this worried foot, uh, look on her face, and, and uh, she's trying to get my attention, and I'm trying to get the lawn done, and finally I sh- shut the mower off, and she says, you got a severe storm, we're under a severe storm watch, you know, and I want you out here getting struck by lightning, and I said, okay, well, let me hurry up and finish this section, so I'm racing through the lawn, and so at least, at least I, I have what I call a hypocritical lawn. From the front, it looks wonderful. Just don't go in the back, all right? But uh, other than that, we'll be, be just fine. Hey, I, I appreciate so much the privilege and opportunity today to stand before you and proclaim the truth of God's Word. You know, every Friday night, we gather as an RU group to, to minister to folks that come in. They're hurting, and uh, they need help, and they need healing. We often talk about uh, choices and decisions and of life and how important those choices and decisions are because they provide direction for our life. They determine what we will become and what we will do. One of the things that we often talk about is this aspect of righteousness, living a righteous life. And to, this morning we want to kind of look at what does that look like and what does that mean? We want to look at the beauty and the blessing of the righteous life this morning. And we see it so aptly uh, uh, pictured for us here in, in the 112th Psalm, we'll read that today, looking at the beauty of what it is, its description of what righteousness is all about. Do you realize that God's people ought to be righteous people, but we have God's, some of God's people that aren't righteous people? Oh, they're forgiven. They're on their way to heaven, but they're not living as though they are forgiven, and they're not living as though they are, they are righteous. And God's called us to live a life of righteousness, but because of choices and decisions, because of places and people, uh, they do different things and kind of really go contrary and live their own form of Christianity. Remember years ago when uh, Pastor Saunders was going through his bout with depression and, and he went to see uh, uh, Jim Benny and his counseling ministry there. And as he was meeting with him that first evening there for their first counseling session that uh, Dr. Benny asked uh, Pastor Saunders a question uh, about his perspective and his view of God and, and Pastor uh, uh, relayed to him what his perspective and view was. And Brother Benny said, Pastor Saunders, Brother Saunders, you have a view of God, that, uh, of a God that doesn't even exist. He becomes so, uh, uh, through this de- depressive state, he becomes so misguided and misdirected in his view of God. He felt that, that as he would stand before the people and preach to us, that God had given him a message to give to, 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 uh, to us as people but it hadn't really given it to him for him in his own life. And, you know, you say, well, that seems awful strange and awful odd for a preacher. But you know what? There's a lot of people that feel that way. That as God speaks, God spoke to that person and God used that in their life. But that, that really doesn't apply to me. And I want you to understand today that every aspect of the word of God, every word is, is tried and true. And, and it is for our lives. It's for our uh, uh, purification and for our maturity and, and, and so forth in that uh, this morning. But Friday nights are, you've been, really, God's been doing some wonderful, wonderful things. We, I've known for some time that we were on the verge of uh, God uh, doing, uh, exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And, of course, the more that we, more that come, the more we're privileged to minister to. And uh, over this past month or so, we've been inundated with multitudes of people. You say multitudes? Well, for us it is. You know, we're, we've, we've been... You know, prior to two months ago, we were probably averaging around 70, 75. And then over the, since that time, we've been 80, 85, 85, 90, 95, 100, 115. This past week, we had 130. And, uh, and yet every week, we challenge them in their choices and decisions. Hey, live a righteous life. If you want something different, you have to make the determination you're going to do something different. And it can't be something that you choose to do on your own. You need God's strength, God's power uh, to live that kind of a life. And uh, this past week, we had the privilege to see two individuals profess Christ as the Lord and personal Savior, and it's a wonderful thing. 
And so let me encourage you, hey, if you're looking for a ministry to get involved in that's exciting, that's, that, that, that it's a happening place on Friday nights, it's a great family reunion. Uh, hey, uh, really pray about it. My wife works uh, in the nursery, and we need some help in the nursery. Mrs. Freiheit, I walked by her room on Friday night. She has 10 three- to five-year-olds all by herself in that classroom. She needs some help. I walked into my classroom because I do the kids' club because we don't really have anybody to do the kids' club right now. We need a kids' club uh, individual, so I do the kids' club, get it started, then I go preach for the big people, and then I come back and do kids' club again. And so we're, we're really stretched to the gill, and we could use some help. But I walked in there Friday night. We normally would run maybe six or eight, but over the last few weeks, we've been running 10, 12, 15, 20 this past week now in Kids Club. And it's exciting. It's a great time. And I walk into the, the, big, the big people's group, as the kids call it, you know, that, you know, that the room that we're, is, is nearly filled up, but we need more help. And, uh, and I just ask and pray that you'll pray about that. You know, God saves us to serve, not to sit, and say, well, you know, I really don't know, you know, how I minister to those people. Well, how do you minister to other people? Well, their they're problem, well, their problem is a sin problem. How do you deal with people with sin problems? And so, you know, really pray about it. You know, I, I'm not going to beg and plead people to come and, and help us because of the fact that we want people that God's burdened their heart for. But uh, we, you know, God doesn't send that number of, of uh, students without providing the help and the guidance and the direction for it as well. But here we are this morning looking at righteousness. We want to read Psalm 112. Beginning in verse number 1, we'll read the, uh, the whole chapter. It says, Praise you the Lord, and all God's people said. Yeah, that's why we're here. Every Sunday we come to worship God, to praise our God. Is that why you come? Do you come to praise the Lord? Do you come to exalt His name? Do you come to worship the high and holy one? Or is it just something, you know, it's, you know, man, I've done this since I was a little kid, so have I. And I'll be honest with you, for a lot of years I had the attitude, hey, Sunday's just the thing that we do. We go to church, we stand up, we sit down. The only thing we don't do is we say, fight, fight, fight. You know, it's not like going to a ball game. But, you know, the reality is, is, hey, this is a great time. This is a great family. This is a, a great opportunity to grow in our faith and our worship and our adoration, our exaltation of God. And the psalmist starts out by, praise ye the Lord. It says, blessed, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth, to, uh, he, uh, and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil doings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees the desire, his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to uh, the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. Uh, his horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. Uh, he shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful and grateful for the blessed opportunity we have today to be gathered in this thy house. Lord, we, we thank you for the great God that you are. We thank you that we can come week after week and actually really, to be honest, day after day to exalt your holy name, to worship you. We don't have to be at church to worship you. We don't have to be with God's people to worship you. We can worship you every day and we ought to. Lord, this matter of righteousness is that which causes us to draw nigh unto God. And as we draw nigh unto you, you will draw nigh unto us. Lord, as we draw nigh unto you, you will help us uh, in making right choices and decisions. You'll help to keep us from sin and, and walking away from the truth of your word. And so, Lord, as we examine this topic this morning, may we ask ourselves the questions, am I walking and living in righteousness? Am I, am, am I living a life of example of true holiness unto, unto you as well as unto others? And Lord, if uh, we need to make some change, if there's some decisions we need to make this morning, I pray that by your spirit, through your word, that you would reveal that to us this morning. Our desire is to be more like you and less like ourselves. And Lord, we just pray that uh, you would meet needs today. We pray for our preacher as he's away, probably standing before the congregation right now there in Quackenbush Hill Baptist Church. Pray that by your spirit, you'd lead and direct and give him the words and the wisdom uh, as you would lead. And use his ministry to be a blessing to the people there today. We commit this time now unto thee, these few moments, for your glory and your honor, we pray. May we go away different than when we came in. 
May we receive the truth of your word today in your precious name. Amen. Righteousness is defined uh, in many dictionaries by the behavior that is morally just and morally right. Right with God and right with man. You know, many times we kind of look at these relationships and trying to make sure that we're on an even keel with these relationships, but many times we tend to forget or, or neglect the relationship with our God and live in a righteous life. Such behavior is characterized by accepted standards of morality, justice, virtue, and uprightness. The Bible standard of righteousness of mankind is God doing the work of perfecting every attribute, every attitude, every behavior, and every word of the believer. It's God doing the work in us. It's God making us more righteous and more holy. It says, thus God's word describes his own character and constitutes the plumb line by which he measures mankind's righteousness. So many times we're guilty of measuring ourselves, our, our Christianity, our righteousness or self-righteousness, whatever you want to call it, our righteousness compared to other people. We look around at other people and are you students are guilty of this as, as any of us are. Where, you know, well, I, I, I'm not doing what she's doing. I'm not living as he's living. I'm not, I'm not going to the places they're going. And so I'm doing all right. I'm better than what they are. I'm not all that I ought to be, all that I need to be, all that God desires for me to be. But yet, you know what? I, I'm ahead of the game as far as that person is concerned. And that's the wrong standard. Our standard ought to be God, ought to be his word, being led by his spirit. Uh, describes his own character in the plumb line. The bad news of this is that, is that true and perfect righteousness is not possible for man to attain on his own. You and I can't attain the righteousness that God desires for us to live. The standard simply is too high. That's the bad news. But the good news, however, is that true righteousness is possible for all of mankind, but only through the cleansing of sin, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. God calls us to be righteous people, to live holy lives, and he's given us the ability to do that, not in our own flesh and our own power and might, but by his word, guided by his spirit. We have no ability to achieve the righteousness in and of ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the Bible states, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. That's you and me. Um, that we might be made the righteousness of God, God's righteousness, uh, uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an amazing truth. That day on the cross, Jesus exchanged our sinfulness for his perfect righteousness so that we can one day stand before God and he will see us not in our sinful self, but the holy righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing truth and fact. That God, that, that day that we placed our faith and trust in Christ, we came to the cross and pleaded for his forgiveness and his cleansing and his mercy upon our lives. We turned our lives over to him and, and seeking his forgiveness in that regard. That that day we, re, we, we received the righteousness. We were robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It says this means that we are made righteous in the sight of God. That is that we are accepted as righteous and treated as righteous by God on the account of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He was made sin. We were made righteous. That day on the cross, Jesus was treated as if he were a sinner though he was perfect, pure, and holy. And we were treated as if we were righteous, or we are treated as if we are righteous, though we are defiled and depraved. On the account of what the Lord Jesus has endured on our behalf, we are treated as if he had uh, entirely fulfilled the law, of, if we had, as we, though we had, had fulfilled the, the law of God and had never become exposed to its penalty. We have received this precious gift of righteousness from God of all mercy and grace. Therefore, as a believer... One should daily strive to live their life in a manner and in a way as Paul described it for us and to the Ephesian church there in the book of Ephesus, uh, book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. In that letter, he says, and that ye put on the new man, that ye put on the new man which is created after God, or after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in true righteousness and holiness. Here in Psalm 112, we have the description of what the beauty and character of a life of a true righteous individual looks like. I notice at least 10 descriptive characteristics of what that looks like, and we want to notice them briefly today. You say, wow, 10 points. No, there's, there's more than that, but uh, we're going to look at these real quick. Like, Notice verse number 1. Verse number 1, as far as the beauty of righteousness. The Bible says, praise you the Lord. Then he goes on to say, the psalmist says, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. The first quality characteristic, the beauty of, of a righteous life is one that fears God. 
The question is, is do we really truly have a reverential awe, regard, respect for the Lord God Almighty? Do we truly fear Him? We'd like to think that we do. But I think if we really came to God honest with ourselves, based on the choices and decisions that we've made over this past week, I think that would, that would tell us whether we really fear God or not. You know, choices that we made, maybe we, some of the bad choices that we made, some it's the people, some it's the places, some of the things that we've done over this past week. Our fear of God will bring, produce a, a holy and pure life, a desire to please God. We can have the desire, but until we follow through and living that life out, uh, we, we tend to kind of fade away from that aspect of fearing God. But we notice the first quality that's mentioned here of, an, of a righteous individual is that they fear God. And we need to examine that uh, uh, each and every day. The second thing we notice that he delights in God's word. It says that delighteth greatly in his commandments. He delights, he enjoys, he enjoys spending time in the word of God. He looks forward to that on a daily basis. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeremiah, uh, let's see, is it Jer- yeah, Jeremiah talked about that, you know, that the word of God was his joy and rejoicing of his life. And it ought to be that for our lives. And we see that it ought to become precious. It ought to become that which you look forward to, to nurture and to strengthen and to grow and mature us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to delight in the word, not, oh, man, it's the Bible. You know, I, it's just so hard to understand. It's so hard to digest. It's so hard to read. We'll get some uh, Bible tools to help you. You know, Pastor often talks about the feature devotional out there. It's a good place to get started in, in your study of the Word of God and, and maturing in your walk and relationship with God on a daily basis. That helps to give you a pattern and a plan to follow uh, as, as, as you delight uh, enjoying the Word of God. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, thy, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was uh, to, unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And we see that he, he found great joy and delight. It's not enough to fear him. We must also love him. Love will lead us to obedience. And our loving obedience will lead us to greatly delight in the word of God. Thirdly, we see not only a fear of God, not only a delight in his word, but thirdly, in verse number uh, uh, two, we see uh, the pos- uh, posterity is blessed. The future, the children, the the family is blessed. It says, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generations of the upright shall be blessed. The family will have abundance and contentment because of their satisfaction alone in God. Are you satisfied in God? Is God enough? Pastors often refer to that, made that statement. Is God enough for you in your life? Is God enough for you on your job? Is God enough for you in your home and, and your family? Fourthly, we see uh, verse number three. It says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house and his Righteousness shall endure, endure forever. His righteousness shall endure forever. He has a testimony for God. This individual that's li- seeking to live a righteous life has a testimony for God. Whether it's in his home and his relationship with his wife or her relationship to her husband, whether it's in regard to their children, whether it's in regard to the, the boss or the employees that, that, that work for them, whether it's just in the community, the neighborhood and so forth, they have a testimony for God. Hey, what's your testimony if I were to go visit your neighbor and say, hey, what kind of neighbor is this individual? How well do they know you? How, how often have you taken the opportunities that God's given to us, not only to live a righteous life, but to, to speak to them about the things of God? Number five, verse number four, we also noticed that God is his help. God is their help. Verse number four, the Bible says, unto the upright there ariseth light. Uh, ariseth help. That word light simply means help. In the darkness, enduring the times of trouble, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. We see that God is his help, that when going through difficult uh, trials and troubles of life, he's looking to his God for the wisdom, the discernment, the direction, the, the support, the help, the encouragement that is needed. This person is a person of prayer and person of trust that as they go through those hardships, they're earnestly seeking God. They're not necessarily calling someone else or looking to someone else for the answer. But first of all, they're looking to God. And then as God directs, maybe through his word and by his spirit, maybe through godly counsel, uh, God directs their life. But God is their help. Number six, we see verses four and five. He portrays the character of God. He is gracious. He is gentle. He is guarded. Notice uh, verses uh, four and five. It says he is uh, gracious and full of compassion and upright. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. And so he portrays the character of God. He's not only living a testimony for God, but he portrays the character qualities uh, of God. He's gracious, he's gentle, as well as he's guarded. 
Number seven, verses six and seven. Uh, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. We see here that, uh, oh, verse number seven. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting uh, in the Lord. We see here that though afflicted, he remains steadfast. He remains faithful. He remains focused. He remains fixed on God and his word and living that righteous life. Realizing, you know what, my life does matter. My life does count. My next door neighbor, Dave Schott, we just got some new neighbors on the other side of me, Arturo, and his, mo- and his, and his mother, Tanya, bought a house next door to us. And, and uh, they're, they're, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to her, share the gospel with her. She's already a believer, and uh, she's grateful for the ministry that we share here at Trinity and, and so forth like that. But I have a responsibility to my neighbors across the street, got some new neighbors across the street, and my neighbor... Uh, 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 Alberto and his, his wife, Angie, you know, I've known them for a number of years and have had the opportunity to share the, the testimony of Christ with them as well. They're not saved, but, but you know what? Have, what do your neighbors know of you, think of you? Do, are you living, walking the righteous life before them? Because you know what? They are watching. You say, you know, my life doesn't really matter. Oh, yes, it does. Your life is impacting someone else. Uh, we talk about that oftentimes on Friday night. You know, people say, I'm not, I'm not really that important. I'm a nobody and no... Everybody's a somebody. Our life is touching somebody's life, and somebody's using our life as an excuse for what we do. Remember some years ago as the youth pastor here, uh, as, and when you're a youth pastor, sometimes you have to confront issues and, 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 and situations and problems uh, with young people and so forth like that. And I remember uh, uh, confronting a couple of young men about uh, their walk and the things that they were doing, the things that were being said about them weren't weren't in a pleasing manner as far as a right walking relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was having an effect and an influence on our youth department. And I went to them and met with them and I went to their parents and, and sat down and talked to the parents and said, listen, you know, these, these two guys, you know, they're, man, I, I love them to death and they're a lot of fun to be with, but, you know, the, the things and the choices, the decisions they're making are really having a negative effect upon our group. And you know, they're, they're leading our group. And uh, both of them almost simultaneously said, well, we don't want to be leaders in the group. I said, trust me, I don't want you either. But the reality is, is because of your influence on the others, they're looking to you and you are a leader. You're either leading them closer in their walking relationship to Christ or you're leading them further away from that. And uh, the reality was, is, you know, choices went, continued on and making bad choices and the, and the results of those decisions that they made uh, created further difficulties for them, and, and, uh, and, and I won't go into the detail of that, but ultimately, you know, they got their life right with God, and that today they're serving God full-time in ministry, and, uh, and, and, and to the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Now, that was an investment of my wife and I and, and, and this church into those individuals' lives. But as I talked to them that day there, and they telling me they don't want to be the leader, and I'm telling them, trust me, I don't want you to be a leader. I said this one thing. I said, hey, my greatest fear is that someday you get your life right with God, and you're going wholehearted for God 100%, and God's using you in a great way, and someone coming behind you and making the same choices that you've made at this point in time to do the wrong thing, to go the wrong way, just because you're looking for the joy and the fun of it. And for that individual to say, well, look at so-and-so and so-and-so. I remember them and what they, where they were and what they did. The reality was, is not three years, two years, three years later, that's exactly what happened. I had to confront another situation with one of our young people. And, and they said, oh, Pastor, I, I know I'm not making the best choices and decisions. I know I probably shouldn't be doing this and going this way, but it's just what I want to do. And uh, you know what, Pastor? I, you know, look at so-and-so and so-and-so and name these two individuals. I knew where they were going with it. And look what's happened to them. They went out and kind of sowed their wild oats. And yet, look what God's done in their life and how they've come back and they're serving God. I said, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's the, the glory of God that that happened. Yet, I, my fear is, is that that might not happen for you. The reality is, is, to this day, that's not happened for them yet. That was over 30 years, nearly 30 years ago that, that that individual made the choice to walk away from uh, the things of God, and today it's still not walk, not living and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see that uh, that we need to portray the character of God. That we need to be uh, gentle and gracious. And and we and though we go through difficult times, we need to remain steadfast because people are dependent upon our life and our testimony if they're without the gospel. Number eight, he cast his cares upon the Lord. Verses seven and eight. 
He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. Not only is it fixed, it's established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. We see that uh, he cast his cares upon the Lord. He's tried. He's been tested. He's true, standing firm. He's trusting in his God. And as a result, he triumphs as well. God takes us through those times of life so that we can... We can see him working in our lives. God places impossible circumstances in our lives so that he can show himself real and strong in our lives. Number nine that I've got listed here in verse number nine is he is giving. He is giving or he is charitable. He hath dispersed and he hath given uh, to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. That word horn simply means power. His authority is recognized and it, it, and it receives uh, uh, praise and recognition. Not of who he is, but of who his God is. And so he's giving of himself. He's giving of his possessions. And, of course, the most precious things he he gives is his relationship with God. And then number 10, a righteous individual will always be opposed. Notice verse number 10. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. Uh, The idea there of melting away is with envy. The world wants what we have. They don't understand how, uh, as a believer, that, that we can enjoy, enjoy and rejoice in, in, in the goodness, the bounty, the blessing of God. You, you've given up so many things. You don't live in the world uh, like we live. You don't go to the places. You don't do the things. You're not imbibing these, these other things. Uh, you're, you're, you, 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 just, you just can't do those things. No, we can do those things. We choose not to do those things. Tell our, our youth students, listen, I... You know, uh, addiction is one of those things that uh, it comes our way. And we see right here, we look at what it will do right for us right now. It'll, it'll lift our spirit. It'll make us feel good. It'll, it'll ease the pressure and the tension and so forth. And so, therefore, we, we start and say, oh, this is just an innocent thing. It's, 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 it's not going to capture my heart and my life. And after that first time, there's a, usually leads to a second and a third and a fourth. And pretty soon, it's an addiction. I said, for me, that, you know, the drink was never a temptation. For me, the drugs was never a temptation. For me, the cigarettes were never a temptation. For me, these other things were never a temptation. Why? Because I wasn't looking here. I was looking there. I was looking at what it had done to family members uh, that I knew. I was looking to, at friends and neighbors and what it was doing in their life. Those, those addictions and those strongholds that captivated them. And realizing that, that we always have an enemy, that he's always looking to trip us up with something. And uh, he's throwing everything in our, uh, uh, that he possibly can at us. But we, th- we see that the wicked shall see it. What do they see? They see the salvation, the deliverance. They see the righteousness of our life. They see the fullness and blessing of God working in our life. And so what is it that they want? They want what we want, but they don't want who we have. And, uh, and so really this is the picture of the beauty of, of the righteous life, that it's one that fears God. He delights in God's word. God blesses him in a great way. He has a testimony for God. God is his help. He portrays the character of God. Though he's afflicted, he remains steadfast and faithful. He casts uh, his cares, his troubles upon God. Uh, he's gracious in his giving, and, and he's opposed by a great enemy, of course, the devil and the world. But turn, if you would, please, over to uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 11. There's three thoughts that I want to share in closing here. That's the beauty of it. If you're living the righteous life, these are character qualities that ought to be in your life and ought to be in my life. That we ought to be striving for them. Maybe, maybe seven of, the, of, the, of these ten, and there's probably more that could have been drawn out of that passage of Scripture than what I mentioned. But on a daily basis, it ought to be an evaluation for our life of who we are and what we're doing and how our life uh, is looking as far as in relationship to uh, our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we want to look uh, here at the blessing of living the righteous life. That's the beauty, but the blessing we see here in verses 5, 6, and 20. The Bible says in verse number 5, the righteous of the perfect, uh, of the mature, I shall direct his way, but the wicked uh, shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but but the transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Verse number 20, they that are of a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright uh, in their way are his delight. We see here that in Proverbs chapter 11, God tells us of what, righteous, what the righteous person looks like. As God often did in the book of Proverbs, God draws a contrast between righteousness and wickedness. Really, the first 10 chapters in the book of Proverbs really focus on wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. We need to have the mind of God. 
from chapter 11 till around chapter 16, somewhere in there, you're going to find more frequently this idea of righteousness being presented. Go back through and read those chapters uh, around uh, chapter 11 through around 16. You'll see the word righteousness or upright and that, that thought of, of, of the good man in, in, in that regard mentioned over and over who they are, what they do, what they look like, and the blessing that's upon them. We see uh, that it draws a contrast between righteousness uh, and wickedness. Verse number three says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their uh, wickedness. We see verse number five talks about the righteousness, uh, uh, they're blameless, but the wicked are, are brought down by their own wickedness. We see verse six, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped or are caught in their, their evil desires. Verse number eight, the righteous man is rescued from his trouble uh, when it comes, but the wicked uh, takes his place and uh, goes in his stead. Verse number nine, when the mouth of the godless destroys his neighbor, uh, but through uh, uh, knowledge, the righteous escape. Verse number 10, when righteous uh, prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked, yet the wicked uh, perish, there is shouts of joy. Verse number 11, God says, through the, the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but the mouth of the wicked uh, is destroyed. Did you catch the pattern there? Did you catch the pattern? God saying these righteous people and then there's these wicked people. These folks have integrity. They have uprightness uh, and these, these don't. God loves these individuals, these righteous, and he despises the wicked. The upright, he protects and honors. The wicked will be trapped in their sin and ultimately destroyed. God is making a comparison and he's telling us, you know what? Make a choice. How are you going to live? The most frustrated people in this world aren't the unsaved, aren't the, the godly people. It's the people that have professed Christ as their Savior, yet they've got one foot in the world trying to live in the world and kind of, you know, along the edge and enjoy the fulfillment, the pleasures and the joys of that while trying to still walk the Christian life. And it's not possible. Decide what kind of person you're going to be. It's kind of like the story I, I once read about a man that went to see a psychiatrist. He complained, I've been doing some bad things, Doc. And my conscience is troubling me, the doctor asked. And, are, and you want something that will strengthen your power, your willpower? The man replied, well, no, I was thinking something that would weaken my conscience. And that's kind of how it is many times in our lives. We're, we're not looking for something to, to deliver us other than to give us, you know, us not to feel as badly for the things that we do. Many people don't want God's righteousness. They want something that will make them feel better about their own unrighteousness. God calls us to live righteous lives. And so therefore we must press on in, in striving to live. Uh, now all men have their troubles. Man is born uh, to trouble and the sparks fly upward, Job 5 says. While the good and the bad uh, have both trouble uh, in their lives and trials in their lives, our relationship with it is strikingly different uh, as, as indicated here throughout Proverbs. We want to notice here uh, in closing uh, the, uh, the beauty or the blessing of the righteous life. First of all, notice verse number five. The Bible says righteousness directs our, righteousness directs our path. Righteousness directs our path. It says the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his ways. The righteousness directs our path. How is the, right, how is the life of a believer that's seeking to live a, a godly life and walk in righteousness, how is this path directed? First of all, it's directed by God's word. It's directed by God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. One of the verses that probably as a child I learned early, early on. But my life is directed, the path of which I go is directed by his word. His word girds us, it instructs us, it teaches us. First uh, uh, Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable, it's beneficial. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, that's you and me if you're a believer in Christ, that the righteous individual might be perfect, might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible tells us here that doctrine, that's what's right. Uh, correction, that tells us what's not right. Reproof tells us how to get right. And, and the instruction in righteousness tells us how to stay right. Did you get that? The doctrine that the Word of God teaches us tells us what's right. This, is, this is, tells us what's right and what's wrong. The correction tells us what's not right. As we read the Word of God, many times the Spirit of God convicts us about things in our life that aren't right. We need to deal with those issues. And God's graciously dealing with us in, in that manner. This morning in our Sunday school class, we're looking at Psalm 51 in the life of David. And when David was confronted with his sin, he turned uh, immediately when it, when, when it was exposed to him. 
and humbly repented. He didn't try to make an excuse and didn't try to cover up his sin. Uh, he humbly submitted to, to God's authority. And so the correction of the word uh, worked uh, properly in his life. And then, of course, uh, uh, the reproof that comes. Uh, it tells us how to get right. And then, of course, the instruction in righteousness tells us how to stay right. This, this book will tell us, uh, you know, as, as I used to write in the, the front of every teenager's Bible that I would sign, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. The struggles with sin that we have in our life many times is because this, this book sits on a table. This book sits on our nightstand. This book sits someplace else and it's not open. And we're not spending time meditating and reading upon it and drawing from its truths. And so we see the righteous, a righteousness will direct our path by the word of God. Therefore, we must feed upon it. We must feed upon his word and grow through his word. But righteousness directs our path not only by his word, but also by his spirit. As a child of God, we've been given the Holy Spirit of God. You know this. I don't need to tell you that. And the Holy Spirit of God is given to us to guide us. He will direct us into all truth. You know, truth is one of those things that we like most of the time. Sometimes we don't like truth. Because truth tells us who we really are and what we're really acting like and what we're really doing. It exposes our sin, exposes our failures and, and so forth in our life. And so sometimes we don't like truth for that aspect, but we realize that if we're walking and living in righteousness, that God's Spirit will guide us. It will, he will illumine us. Uh, the Word of God becomes illuminated to us. Therefore, we must follow His leading. The Word of God we, we must feed on. The Spirit of God will lead us. Therefore, we must follow His leading. But thirdly, it directs our path by godly counsel. Godly counsel. Sometimes as we read the Word, God's speaking to us through His Word. God's leading us by His Spirit. But you know what? We just need, uh, uh, we need one more assurance. We need to talk to someone. Maybe to a pastor, maybe to a Sunday school teacher, maybe to a group leader, assistant group leader, maybe a, a, a godly individual that we know that uh, is living a life, an example that we would like to follow. And that godly counsel, uh, it guards us, it inspires us. You can do this. On Friday night, we talk to our students because they come to us and most of the time they've been everywhere else. They've already been to A-A-N-A-C-A and all the other letters of the alphabet. They've already been to the rehab places and facilities. They've gone through all of these programs and so forth and they come to us many times with little or no hope. They're wanting to know, is there anything that can deliver and, and rescue them uh, from that? And they're seeking godly counsel and direction and so forth. And, and we try to encourage them. We try to inspire them to realize there's hope through Jesus Christ. As great a program as RU Recovery is, it's not in the program. It's in the person of the program, and that's Jesus Christ. And so righteousness directs our path by his word, by his spirit, and by godly counsel. And that counsel ought to inspire us. Therefore, we ought to be faithful just to keep on keeping on. That's another thing that I used to write in the, in the front of uh, all our young people's Bible was, hey, keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Don't stop. Your testimony is important. Your testimony, your life, your witness is needed. No, no matter where you are, it is needed in that setting. And so we see verse number five tells us the blessing of righteousness, that it will direct our path, it will direct our way. Secondly, we notice that righteousness delivers from problems. Righteousness delivers from problems. Notice verse 6 says, The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but the transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. It delivers them from problems. It doesn't mean that they don't have problems. They don't have trials and troubles in their life. That's just part of being a human being. I try on Friday nights to tell our students, Hey, the problems and trials that you have in your life, that's just part of you being you. That's part of being a human being, a life and living. That's, you know, we, we have all of those things. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I don't have problems and I don't have trials and difficulties in my life, but the reality is, is that God will deliver us from those things. Righteousness delivers from problems, brings about an awareness of the dangers of sin. It brings about an awareness of the dangers of sin. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's the problem that we have. We're loving the wrong things. We're not walking in righteousness because we're loving something else someone or something else. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Well, this is, I'm just more comfortable here. You know, I'm not looking for necessarily comfort in my life and my walk in relationship with the Lord. Because you know what? When I'm looking for comfort, I'm looking for what, what, what puts my life at ease, what makes me feel better about myself and, 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 and doesn't reveal the, the truth of who I really am. I'm looking for uh, realizing that uh, where's my love lie? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I don't have the love of God within me so that I can love other people. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. 
I'm not displaying and, and exercising and demonstrating the love of God in my life. Now, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, is not of the Father, but of this world. All those things that I desire, the comforts and the contentment of this life, is of this world, and this world passeth away. But uh, we see that he that doeth the will of, of the Father abideth forever. And so we see he delivers us uh, from, the pro- from our problems, uh, uh, the dangers of sin. We can avoid the pressures of life if we will walk in righteousness. Sometimes, sometimes it's our own fault for the problems that we face in our life. Sometimes the troubles that come our way, the trials that come our way, it's our own fault because of decisions that we've made. People that we're with, places that we go, things that we do. It's our own fault. If we would be walking in righteousness, we wouldn't be there. We wouldn't be with those people. We wouldn't be doing those things. And so uh, it helps us to avoid the dangers of sin, delivers us from the dangers of sin. Also, righteousness will, de- will deliver us from the deceitfulness of self. It'll de- deliver us from the deceitfulness of self. That's a wrong perception of ourself. We think sometimes uh, we're, we're, we're the cat's meow. And the reality is, is yeah, we, we have to see ourselves as Jeremiah 17 Nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Our heart, we have to see our heart as being a wicked, wicked heart, more desperate than what we can even know. Hey, have you ever had something happen in your life where you said, I, I, never, I, never, I never thought I'd ever do anything like that? I never thought I would ever say anything like that. I ne- thought I'd never ever go. In, you ever thought that? Have you ever experienced that in your life? We see because we've been deceived by our own wicked heart. Our heart is more wicked than what we're even willing to admit. You know, every day, Lord, I, I, you know, I, I so often pray before I get out of bed, Lord, help me today. I need you today. Thank you for yesterday and for what you did for me yesterday, but, but what you did yesterday is not sufficient for today. I need you today because of the fact that I know my flesh. I know the nature that I have of my being, that it wants to go this way. It wants to reach out and gratify and satisfy the fleshly lust of my body, but yet... I know that, by the, uh, but that, that that's not pleasing unto you. So, Lord, help me today as I'm about to put my feet on the floor and get up out of this bed. If I get out of bed without you, I'm going to mess up my day big time. And so, Lord, help me to, to walk in righteousness. Help me not to be deceived by myself. Help me not to follow my own lust, my own desires, but help me to follow you. Then thirdly, we see that righteousness delivers us from problems not only of sin, not only of self, but also of the destruction of Satan, the power of Satan. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We have to realize there's a real enemy out there. It's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your kids, it's not your boss. You may sometimes feel that way, that they're against you, and they may at times be against you. But the reality is the ultimate enemy is, is the devil himself, and he's working. He's conniving, and he's trying to stir up anything uh, that he possibly can in your life to to bring, bring down and destroy, destroy your life. Uh, we see that it uh, gives us power, deliverance from the power of Satan. Uh, he is uh, uh, a defeated foe when we're walking in righteousness. And then verse number 20 talks about righteousness delights its possessor. Righteousness delights its possessor. Uh, it, says, uh, it says, they that are of a forward heart are an abomination unto the, to the Lord, but such as are upright in their ways are his delight. We delight the Lord, but you know what? When you delight the Lord, you also delight, you're, you're delighted in living that life. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Have you ever thought about that verse, he delighteth in his way? Is that talking about God? Well, it could be. If you're walking and I'm walking and living a righteous life, he is delighted in my way because I'm following in the path that he'd have me to go. But have you ever thought about yourself being the he? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, the good man, the righteous man, the upright man, delighteth in his way, God's way. You see, you can put it either way. God's delighted in the way that we go because we're going his way, or we're delighted in God's way because he's blessing our life, he's providing for our life, he's protecting our life, he's going before us. You see, the, the delight of righteousness affects our attitude. The delights of righteousness will affect our attitude. It'll give us a love for God. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 39, talk about, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. You know, if we truly love God as we say that we love God, we wouldn't make choices and decisions like we've made. We wouldn't live our lives maybe on a daily basis or a weekly basis as we live them. We wouldn't live so haphazardly. We'd be more careful and, and, and guarded uh, in, our, in our life and in our attitude. 
our attitude ought to display a love for God. Um, talking about the loving the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind. Turn, if you would please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read one verse there. It talks about that as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 9. It says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. You'll have a love for the brethren. Your attitude, you, you ought to... Friday nights, we tell our people on Friday nights, our students, hey, this is a great reunion. Every Friday night's a great family reunion. You know, you, you always love family reunions. They have great, great food, great fellowship, great fun. And that's what Friday nights are, are, are here for RU. You know, you, know uh, you need to come sometime. If you've never been to an RU uh, meeting. You need to come just to see and experience it. It'll change your life. Even if you only come one time, it will change your life. Hearing the testimony of the students. Uh, past several weeks, uh, you know, because I'm not able to be in there during testimony time because I'm starting the kids club and getting that going and, and so forth like that. But yet when I go in to do the preaching, oftentimes the individual that's up before me or other individuals that I'm walking in and say, man, pastor, the testimony time was tremendous. It was outstanding tonight. God's really doing a great, great work in, in some of these lives of these students. And it, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing as they begin to share what God's doing in their life and, and it permeates and affects their attitude. But hey, it's a love for one another, a care, a concern for one another as we see our, our brother being overtaken in a fault. Ye that are spiritual uh, there in Galatians 6.1, uh, you know, we, we're to go to them and, and help them. But righteous delights its possessor. Its attitude is one of a love for God. Secondly, we see uh, it also delights us in its aim. It's aim. Where are you aiming? Where is your life aiming? Our life ought to be aiming to please God, to please God. That same passage there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice verse number 1. I already turned away from it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. There we go. Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received how ye ought to walk, that's in righteousness, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Our aim ought to be to please God because, you know, he's our master. Uh, he's, our, or he's, he's our counselor. He's our guide. He's our help. He's our everything. And so righteous delights the possessor as far as its attitude, its love of God, as far as its aim, it's to please God. And then lastly, in its action, and that's to serve God. So many times we have sung through the years, there is joy in serving Jesus. Do you find joy in serving Jesus? Or you just find contentment in just finding your comfortable place and, uh, you know, you're happy where you are. Hey, we, ought, we ought to be going and, and, and growing and, and, and ministering uh, effectively and, and living a, a life of righteousness. That ought to be displayed in our action, uh, where we go and who we go with and what we're doing. And, and there ought to be a measure of joy with it. Sure, sometimes the, the, the heart gets heavy. Uh, yesterday, uh, one of our... Uh, assistant group leaders came to me and said, Pastor, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? Something's going on. Okay, you want to tell me what it is? No, I'm asking you what it is. I can tell something's bothering you. What's bothering you? And I said, you know, I, I'm a pretty private person, so I, I don't share a lot of that with you or with other people. But I said, really what it is is sometimes ministry can get overwhelming. And things of life can become overwhelming. And they seem to be coming at you all at one time, and it does have an effect upon our demeanor and, 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 and how we act and how we respond in situations. The sad thing was, and I appreciate so much that individual coming to me, and he said, well, Pastor, I, I just want to know how better I can pray for you. And I said, well, just, just pray that, that I'll just continue to look out to God and trust God and that through, through this time that God, God will direct you. He said, well, you're not leaving, are you? I said, not that I know of. Do you want me to? Yeah, I can. But, but the reality is, is uh, you know, uh, the sad thing was, is that wasn't the only time that that statement was made this past week. On Tuesday, we, we helped one of our students move, and I had a couple of students with me, RU students, helping with the move. And we had stopped, and, we, and I treated them to lunch. And then on the way home, after we finished uh, moving the individual, we stopped uh, by Culver's up in Birch Run for you know, that, that, that wonderful custard, frozen custard. And... Uh, we're sitting there eating, and one of the students looked at me and said, Pastor, what's going on? And I said, what do you mean? Yeah, something's bothering you. Ah, you know, I'm okay. Well, being okay isn't, isn't good. And, uh, you know, you need to be better than okay. And the reality is, is, is you know, I, we, our actions, what we're doing, how we're living our lives from day to day, hey, there's going to be the highs, there's going to be the lows. 
but we just need to be praying for one another, encouraging one another, helping one another, walking in righteousness. A, a righteous brother this past week, two righteous individuals trying to please God and serve God, sensitive to another individual that's carrying a heavy burden. And just uh, asking uh, out of concern, not wanting to know my business per se, but just wanting out of concern. Uh, hey, I, I, can, I can sense that something's on your mind. Your heart is heavy. And, uh, and, and so our righteousness uh, delights its possessor as far as in its action. It's serving God. It's serving other people. And so we've looked today at the beauty of the righteous life. Are those character qualities a part of your life? Some of them are. Maybe some of them aren't. As I read through that passage of Scripture, I said, man, I, I need to brush up on that one. I need, I need to make sure that that's part of my life. I need to incorporate that in my life. But then as I look over at, at uh, Proverbs chapter 11, as I was reading you know, each, each day of the week you know, with Proverbs, there's 31 Proverbs, so we read one for every day. And on the 11th day of this month, I happen to be reading it. And that's what God spoke to my heart about, about the righteousness. Hey, just keep on doing the right thing. Because, you, because your way, your righteousness will direct your path. Your, your righteousness will deliver you from the problems, what you're going through. The, the heaviness of my heart may be feeling at this time will be alleviated. This isn't, this isn't permanent. This is just a time that we all go through. We'll survive it. We'll make it through as we continue just to be faithful and steadfast. But righteousness delights its possessor as to its aim, as to its attitude, as to its action. How about you? How is your righteous walk? Man, the closer we get to God as a body of believers, not just you individually. Yeah, individually, I want you getting close, as close to God as you can, but as a body, it's, it's so much more powerful and effective and, and joyous that we can lift the spirits of one another and help bear, bear those burdens as well. There's tremendous blessing in living the righteous life. Don't ever walk away from it. Don't ever take it for granted because God wants to do a great work in your life and wants to use your life to impact others. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful and grateful. For your goodness to us, my, you've been so good. None of us are deserving of what you have done. None of us are deserving of what you've provided. Yet you truly are thankful and grateful for it. Lord, we've just tried to share our heart this morning. Lord, uh, what I've shared with them this morning is from my own heart about my own life. Lord, I desire to, to draw nigh unto you. I desire to, to, to have these character qualities of, of righteousness exemplified in my life that others might see it as as the psalmist David uh, talked about, that others might see uh, and, and, and fear the Lord and, and as a result, trust him as well. Lord, that my life might be an encouragement and a help. Uh, the, the righteousness of my walk and my life might be a help to help others to see, hey, this isn't possible. Uh, this is possible. It isn't impossible. But Lord, that we would strive to be more like you. Lord, we thank you that not only you call us to walk in righteousness, but but you show us the blessing of righteousness, that righteousness will help us make the right choices and decisions of life. You'll direct our path. Lord, you'll help us through the problems of our life and, and minister to us and meet, meet us where we are in those difficult times. And then, Lord, also that will there will be great delight and, and joy and, jo- and rejoicing of our heart and our life as we seek thee and walk with thee. Sure, there's going to be struggles and problems. Sure, there's a great foe in, in the devil and this world and our flesh. That, that, that opposes righteousness. Lord, help us to be determined and be committed to walk with thee. Bless now in this time of invitation, Lord, if there's needs that need to be met, decisions that need to be made, that, Lord, we might do that today before we leave this place. In your precious name we ask it. Amen.